Good morning, it's the 19th of November, you are listening to The Big Kickoff. Morning to you. Just a big kickoff we have here. Just, just top of the song. How's the pain? Top of the morning to you. Top of the morning to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good morning, David Bugle. Hello. How do? Good. I was, I was going to say good morning, but that's a different one. Good morning, everyone. How are we all? Good. Good. Yeah. What have we got? Oh eight seven oh six two seven one three eight. We all start off the phone numbers. The big kickoff. 96.4 at gmail.com and uh, if you wanted to tweet us it's at the big kickoff one David what you do over the weekend ah uh, Paddington 2 yesterday morning yeah ah yeah super good I, I'm, I'm a better person I see the good in people uh, seriously great food, great movie uh, very cutesy for the kids um, plenty in it as well but now in fairness Hugh Grant super in it uh, the reviews that a lot of people said yeah he really went for it and really enjoyed himself and you can see it and he did and the likes of Brendan Gleeson all playing the hard man in the prison and stuff yes there is a prison right <laughs> where he plays Knuckles McGinty <laughs> Knuckles McGinty <laughs> let's just say Paddington softens him up a little bit in, in the long run but uh, yeah uh, fair, love your action movies fair enough but you know it's a proper proper decent little movie and if, if it doesn't grab you in some way shape or form I'm judging you that, that's the way it is it's a very cutie film but good. very good though. very good. good yeah no Adam went and saying it he thought it was good as well yeah. now. Good and I says now. really is it good and he goes no 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 yeah it was good alright yeah. uh, who's on the show Declan Maher uh, he has his, what's the name of his his, his blog again Le- uh, Bet Win yeah Learn Bet Win yeah he's coming up from 9 o'clock uh, professional gambler um, he's coming in to kind of say how he got into it and, and, and between all the jigs and reels and maybe give us a few little basic tips of the trade and what keeps him in the job that he's in yeah <laughs> because let's face it he has to win in order to stay in that type of job yeah, otherwise you can't be a professional gambler they all say there's no winners in, in, in exactly. gambling so obviously there is and there's obviously a way of doing it and there's a way of going about it so it's more on the interest side of things how how you go about that right. let's not try and hope start opening up accounts after it. <laughs> <laughs> we can do it yeah uh, and then we have all our usual bits and pieces sports round up and, and so forth our, our and unfortunately so on, uh, so forth. at least the 20 minutes slot hopefully it won't be more than that but at least we have to talk about what was Tuesday and the failure yeah okay uh, we start off with a song we are going with um, Paddy Casey and Saints and Sinners well anyone can lose it all well anyone can lose it all when you don't heed your warnings call Bit of Paddy Casey on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM, and you're listening to the big kickoff. David, 
Remember we have this big tree and uh, I, I should kind of hold it in. What's the, the puzzle card? These bloody boxing belts. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Paddy Barnes, see, is this something to really get excited about? But Paddy Barnes has a belt, but it's the WBO Intercontinental yeah. Flyweight Champion. How do you become an Intercontinental Flyweight Champion? Like, is that... Is that... Is Intercontinental... What's this? Yeah, what's the difference yeah. between that and world champion? Um, like European champion is fairly straightforward. You're European. You're after beating the best of Europe. World champion, fairly straightforward. But WBO intercontinental. No, nothing taken away from him. It's his fifth fight and brilliant. All he has to do is beat whoever's in front of him. But some of these belts really do kind of. What on earth is what's going on here? So anyway, Paddy Barnes won his fight yesterday. So okay. let's get away from that. But uh, he bet uh, Elisar. I, I always pick these bloody stories with the dodgy names. But uh, Kazada, and he better him in fairly convincing form in his fifth tight. So happy days. He's got a strap. Listen, it's good for his stock. And he's in the early stages of bashing out loads of fights yeah, to get yeah. up into there. So it was a knockout, look. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's just when I seen he's won a belt. Oh, great. And I looked into it and I was like, Intercontinental. I was like, all right, fair enough. It's, it's, it's whatever. Right. So Intercontinental. I just got on to this. Okay? <laughs> I love Google. Good <laughs> Wi-Fi connection. Basically, it's relating to or traveling between continents. <laughs> is that is that not just the world? Maybe because he's fought in two different continents, he can be, become an intercontinental champion. Because he's fought in the states as well, like so. I remember intercontinental champion in the WWE. Yeah, that was another making up belt. That was a, it. Was I, still only their second belt though. Yeah. It was like the Europa League belt. Yeah, it, that's basically what. And the it world was. champion was the Champions League belt. The Champions League belt. Yeah, because I remember what's his name. Um, <laughs> what is his name? With the face paint. <laughs> Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior. Having yeah. the Intercontinental yeah. for a good while. Because I think he was fighting Hogan or someone for the, the, the World Championship and he lost. And yeah. so they kind of gave this as like, here you go. Here's yeah. here's the other one. Here's an Intercontinental belt. So. I think it's a belt to, to keep the up and coming stars happy in the wrestling right. before they can get out. I don't know. But anyway, listen, it, it, it doesn't take away from Paddy Barnes. He got another great victory. So he's on the up. It slightly does take away because it's not a real belt. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when we, if we, if we ever meet face to face, I'd love to see. Yeah, it's yeah. not really a real belt, Paddy, is it? I'm smash off that face. Yeah. I? <laughs> Sorry for all of Northern Ireland that I've offended with me. Yeah. In the rest of the boxing card uh, last night, Michael Conlon's brother, Jamie, was lost out on his title shot. He didn't lose out. Oh, okay. He got battered. Well, yeah, well, that's... I seen the pictures of him this morning. Nice. He didn't look. It didn't look a pretty sight. Yeah, um, great, great run. Unfortunately, came to an end last night with the old uh, the old Latinos, these old Mexicans. Like there's some fighters, a lot of them. And, uh, yeah, the guy came and took care of business quite easy over seven rounds. And by all accounts, it was like there wasn't much to it at all. He was very much dominating the whole way through. Right. Conlon done the usual typical Irish fighting hard and never giving up. And good luck to him. But yeah, yeah, just wasn't in the same class, unfortunately. Right. And then um, Frampton was made to work very hard for his 10 round victory over uh, Horacio Garcia. Um, there was a bit of a controversial knockdown, which made the points a lot tighter because obviously it'd be a 10 8 round for Garcia. It looks like it was more slightly like a trip slash loss of footing. Okay. So it was a bit nervy for the last round or two, thinking, all right, this get, it's got a lot tighter now because your man's able to pull down. But couple of people put up it's where Steve Collins he seems to be very impressed with uh, Frampton obviously he's potentially trying new things with the new trainer and Jamie yeah. Moore so obviously he mightn't be as slick as you might think he'd obviously want to be but uh, I wouldn't be too worried if he it's his first one back back in Belfast probably trying too hard to impress as well yeah, yeah. all that kind of malarkey new trainer but he would have a lot on his shoulders after this exactly. with McWigan and all that so he would have had to yeah. prove a lot 
the most important thing was that he got the win. Yeah. So the big one now is obviously Quake's still around, Selby's still around. There's plenty of domestic big fights. But the good thing about Frampton, he wants to take them all on and he wants to take on the big Yanks and all the big names that are over that side of the continent. But uh, yeah, it's about getting the big fight in Windsor Park now for um, Mayor Joe next year. That's what it's all about for him. And mm. that's apparently why he went with the likes of Warren because he's pretty much guaranteed him that I'll have you fighting for a massive fight next summer in Windsor. Right, right. Good luck to the whole lot of them. Yeah, exactly. Um, I actually didn't know Michael Cannon had a brother who was fighting, so that was news to me this morning. I seen him <laughs> battered all over the, yeah. the spreadsheet. Because yeah, look, they do look very similar. Yeah, they do. So and I actually thought it was him. I said, yeah. I don't remember him. Yeah. I didn't think he was yeah, fighting. Yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> there was a video that was going around well, on Facebook, more or less, and it was about uh, how do you stand on fox hunting? Don't really think too much about it, to be honest. Uh, do you consider it a sport? I would do you say consider, it's a sport. Do you like, consider hunting a sport? Shooting? Yeah. It's not something that would be in my head as a sport. It's definitely a hobby, I think, or whatever. But yeah. Well, it's, I don't think about it too often, so you're kind of catching me on the hop. I think we might have to bring someone in. Cause I, think I, I say, sir. I, say, yeah, yeah. I well, shouldn't the, be here. It's a Sunday. <laughs> I have to go as hunting for my foxes. <laughs> <laughs> Huzzah! That's more a, posh people we've offended. People. Yeah, so the, we've got the North and, and the posh yeah, people yeah. of Ireland. Who's next? <laughs> uh, so there was a video going around. Uh, an animal rights activist was hospitalised after, uh, I suppose, intervening a between. No, intervening between a basically walking the land when there was a fox hunt on they were chasing some fox. Or something are, like that. They are legal still, aren't they? I know they're are they banned in. <clears throat> I think they're banned in England. So it's kind of like underground fox hunting, yeah, even I though think you can't so. do it. I think so. I think it's it's abandoning because I know there was something over the last couple of years about it, but I couldn't tell you the exact ruling. But I know there was. It's not something you hear about in Ireland, really. N- no, I presume it's done. There should we do courses? Yes, I think it is. I'd say it is, but it's probably not something that you want to advertise too loud. No. Um, so I have a clip here. I don't know how good this. Jeez, clip. We'd have to get somebody. Remember, you're only talking about the. You love the kind of uh, muffled voice. The yeah. We might have to get one of them on a fox. Oh yeah. Still sounds posh. And the shooting blew his head off. So. Uh, we'll play this clip and we'll see, but this is actually uh, how the animal rights activist got hospitalised. Chasing rabbits? You're not welcome here. That's You're not invited, so get gone. No. It is. Illegal activity going on here. Get it gone now. Oh, hey! Get it gone! Get your hands off her. Go. You do what you want. Get, on the foot, get out! Get, on the get foot, your hands off her. Get We're leaving. We're leaving! We are leaving! We are leaving! We are leaving! I've just been assaulted! Been smacked in the face. It's all been filmed by the hunt. Get away from me. Gone! You are hitting women? You dip me if you want. I I hope you're not violent people. So that's basically it. So basically what happened is, because you can't see the video on radio, basically what happened is, he came marching down like a very angry farmer or and walloped her. They, she was standing there and gave her a right wallop and, and all on she, film all on film so and it's obviously as they said they've confirmed it, it's a legal activity yeah. you're not allowed to have these fu- fu- yeah. and there's a reason why and I would love to get someone on to the show because they do consider it a sport yeah. and I don't get it I don't actually even get uh, one of my friends shoots mm. and they go out and shoot and all that so I would never be able to shoot I don't know I don't get it I don't think it's a sport I just think it's killing it's like 
going up to a, an abattoir and, and killing the cow. Yeah. You know, except it's smaller. Yeah. It's a bird. It's a yeah. pheasant or yeah. something like that. I don't get it as a sport, but they think it as a sport. I don't know what that says about them. What do you think, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. This must be a fun show. <laughs> This is, and we're going to go to a song. <laughs> <laughs> ah, look, you know, it's horses for courses, pardon the pun. <laughs> I've just, my, my headphones have just come alive and I can hear the voice in my head. It's telling me, just shut up, Dave, and move on. <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, it's not a sport, is basically what we're saying. You see the video of the cat playing the piano? Right, other sports. No, listen. I tell you other sports news, but the last one wasn't sports news. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> you murderers! <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, <laughs> a vicious managerial rumor. I have to bring it in. No, nothing about it. Just seen the headline today and just thought this is fantastic. Wales are eyeing up a new manager. <clears throat> right. So and on top of their list, allegedly, is my favorite pundit that I love to punch in the face, Thierry Henry. He is not. But yeah. isn't he assistant manager at Belgium? What? That's, uh, he's assistant manager at Belgium. Is that an official title, is it? Yeah. No way. Yeah, he, he went in with... Um, Martinez. Up? Martinez, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in there now. There you go. Obviously, anyone who doesn't know, Chris Coleman uh, has moved on and his favourite to take over the current Sunderland job. Um, one of the biggest reasons why he moved on, I think they were quite happy to take him, but he wanted further investment in keeping his managerial staff and further investment in improvement of the training facilities with Wales and obviously in the more setup of the underage upwards to really kind of keep the momentum going with Welsh football and of course it didn't look like it was coming um, maybe the, most of the money that they were going to put into was potentially giving him a rise and he said no no it needs to be elsewhere is that, but the full ins and outs is that's up to him to tell us but yeah so he's moved on and by all accounts he's going to be announced as the new Sunderland manager which is a very strange one bottom of the championship to going from just missing out on the World Cup to bottom of the championship now you can look at it in different ways. Yeah. He mightn't have got paid, as we oh, said. it could be a monster pay rise. It, it could be two, three times what yeah. he was getting. All right. Yeah. Four times, yeah. whatever. Yeah. He might have been getting... Sure, we need a billionaire to pay half our manager's wage. Yeah. So... So so he might he might be getting huge money. But he might also have a challenge here. Hold on. These are as rock bottom as you can get. The only way is up, yeah. The only way is up. And at this... And, and now, all he has to do is keep them in that division this year. So yeah. that's the minimum he yeah. has to do. So he has a full year nearly to do something yeah. and, and work the background and everything so now obviously after that Sunderland then decide well we're probably going to sack you anyhow because that's what we do I mean they have had I think they've had Ellis Short yeah I think they've had eight managers in the last ten years or six managers in the last eight years is one of them or could ah, be both crazy yeah so but um, Jermaine Jermaine Genus had a, a little talk about the, the, the Sunderland aspect I think actually might have a little look at, 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 at what I, I like Jermaine Genus. I like him on listen to him much. Yeah, I do like <clears throat> he's put it this way. The way I uh, rate a pundit is, do I really remember him? Uh, but you, because usually I really remember him for wanting to literally strangle him. As yeah. I said, Henri, I remember him for being just absolutely bored and afraid to say anything. Yeah, remotely kind. But Jermaine, Jermaine, I meant to say both his names in the one go there. But Janus, yeah, he doesn't bother me, and he he can be clever in some of what he does. And some of the BBC lads, your Murphys and all that, they they actually put a bit of effort into it. I think so. Whether it's off the mark or not is irrelevant. They, they, I don't mind a pundit who gives it a go. I think BBC are very clever who they pick because yeah. they get lads who actually 
try to going to do the job. break it down and explain what their thoughts are exactly. rather than maybe like sky its faces its names yeah no. are they really that good bar joey barton oh, anyway this is what uh jermaine had to say about chris coleman and sunderland hope a control element you know to, to what's happening and a longer term plan rather than this kind of knee-jerk reaction to all right chris it's not working because it looks like they're going to go down into into league one uh, i think they sit in rock bottom at the minute aren't they of the championship tough tough league obviously as we all know uh and weirdly enough i think it could be the best thing for them to get relegated and start again yeah get relegated kind of get rid of the players that are in there on probably 30 40 grand a week that aren't performing um hopefully kind of promote some within within the academy get some like real home blood in there and also uh yeah use chris's contacts that he's that he's developed over the kind of international periods to to start building, you know, team and creating Sunderland again, and, and hopefully that's what they've said to him. You, you've got, you know, a bit of a license here to to create an opportunity with our guidance. You know, I keep saying this, like, I don't want another manager to come in, bring his own players, and then just go. I would hope that they've got a director or somebody, you know, right at the top level, kind of guiding that process along for Sunderland, not for Chris Coleman. Could you fault any of that? No, I don't. I don't think. I think it's it's it's, it's very logical. What he's at, what he's saying, and probably most fans would agree for it, agree with it. Apart from the one thing about wanting to go down to the league, one they but, probably wouldn't want it. No, but but that pretty mo- much, I don't think they could fault us. As he said, it makes sense because yeah. what I would do is get rid of the thirty, forty grand players who are not actually yeah. performing. Okay, so good. they have to start all over again and get themselves back up. Sunderland, what is wrong with Sunderland? See, Sunderland is the kind of. I don't like to agree with the man, but obviously Roy Keane struggled to get players up there because of where it is and what's the story. So what you get is the best of the worst, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Or the worst of the best, so to speak. You can get good players at good money, but who really don't want to be there and don't really care and end up doing shag all up there, which most of them do. It's just, it's a, what's the best? It's a graveyard. Yeah. You know, it's the last hurrah for lads to get a decent wage, but they don't really give a crap about what they do. Are you saying John O'Shea? Potentially, yeah. well, Brown, fact, can man. I be honest about John O'Shea up there? <laughs> he's been part of the problem. He's been there for seven or eight years and they've struggled. And the defence has always been one of them. Maybe mm. he's one of the reasons. But he's ex-man United. He's, he's a great attitude. He's great at everything. But, but it's, not, it's not necessarily that he's the problem. He's no. going in. He's earned the money. It's that they have a, a, a visual that these players are what's going to save them. Yeah. Where th- these players should be, maybe you, you bring in one for experience. Mm-hmm. Like Burnley, I think, did... With who did Burnley bring in? No, Gareth Barry, West Brom. Yeah, they brought in Gareth Barry, experience to help yeah. the, the 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 people yeah, around. The job you to know. play, but we want you to push what you've learned, especially at the big boys, and the fact that you have a nice shiny Premier League medal. Show us what you're doing. A bit like Stephen Gerrard the other day. Now I don't think it was necessarily a uh, look at look at Liverpool, look at United, and it's a nice little dig. But he said something after the West Ham game where Liverpool hammered them. And who was he talking about? Robert, Roberto Firmino and the effort that he puts up front mm. compared to Chicharito. Yeah. And he's like, he should be coming, leading from example as ex United and then uh, coming from the, co- this is what you need to do to get to this level. And he's going backwards now because he's obviously not happy where he is. And but isn't this the spoiled superstar? Yeah. But isn't this where football ha- ha- has gone? That yeah. I was looking at a, vi- a video clip the other day and <coughs> it was what was it it was something to do with a team and how the youngsters were brought up back in the 80s now, and they yeah, used yeah. to clean the boots and sweep That's out not done anymore sweep out, out the sta- sweep out the stadium and oh what was it what was it 
It was a toilets, the kits. They do everything. Yeah. Clean out the stadium. They, they, like they had Johnny no, Giles. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. It's coming back to me now. Johnny Giles. But right into the mid nineties, they did it. Yeah. Frank Lampard said he did it. He done it all. But they don't do it now. No. And this, this that's why these kids are coming up spoiled. That's know? actually one of the things that even Lampard brought up. Obviously, we definitely know that the lads of Johnny Giles era did all that. But that's what Lampard said. This is half the reason why some of these lads are the way they are. They're, they feel entitled at 16 and 17 because yeah. they've no idea what it's like to pick up all the dirty crap all over the floor and sweep the stadium up and the eyes of the stadium after yeah. the match and they've, they've, they've clean the boots. I think there is a bit of cleaning of the boots still going on, but it's more of a nice tradition. And I don't even think the players don't, like the young fellas don't even mind it because they know they get a couple of hundred quid at the end of the yeah. uh, Christmas and this and the other, but they don't, they, they don't put in the graft of this is, this is what your life could be if you don't work hard enough. They're cleaning boots for, you know, being on seven and a half grand a week or something. <laughs> Anyhow, we will take a break. <laughs> And welcome back to the big kickoff in Liffey Sound 96.4. One of the maddest FM. names of a band. The Pigeon Detectives. The Pigeon Detectives, It yeah. was a completely random thing. Some punter with a few bevies on him said it, messing. And the lads went, Roy, let's do it. Yeah? The Pigeon Detectives. And the lads went, yeah, let's go with it. That's a good song. I like that song. Yeah. I, that, that's a song I, that would never jump into my head. Yeah, see, there's certain bands that you know from... If you like Gavin and Stacey, it's a lot of this type of music. Yeah, stuff you yeah, hear at Soccer yeah. AM, stuff you hear on certain programmes. But you don't know who they are, what you are. But you go, geez, that's a good tune. But you don't hear it on the radio too much because I can't remember Larry Gogan ever going, that was the Pigeon Detectives. I found out. No. Even though he's not from the north of England. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sorry, Larry. Sometimes it's just... Do you ever just sometimes wake up and go, I'd love to just have an accent for the day and see does anyone... No? Just me? Okay. No, I remember we did the, the 12 pubs. Ah, the 12 pubs. That, was the, that was probably my funniest half an hour. That, in that pub yeah it was gas what was that pub called <sighs> it's in, on I can see it Temp, just off Temple yeah, Bar it's like the tour the fort Turk Turk Head Turk's Head but Turk's you know the way yeah obviously uh, you come up with different things in different pubs like uh, you have to have odd, odd shoes on so you swap shoes with somebody and, yeah or you can't curse so you can't this but we did one where you had accents and I don't know who, it actually could have been Tomo it could have been Kieran his what, I can't remember what accent he was trying to do but it was absolutely terrible and then one lad was literally in his normal voice but he was convinced he was doing an English accent <laughs> like, what are you doing then you're going up to the bar yeah two pints of lager please mate. <laughs> yeah. yes yes can I have two pints of uh, again? You know, lads talking to each other in stupid accents it was that, was, yeah, that was a great half hour wasn't yeah, it that was a good half hour then what was the other one then we went on to oh yeah yeah right now of course you had to do the shot Remember that was yeah, in the pub a lot of lads going up and that uh, was in the Polish one. Yeah, a lot of lads were going up and getting shots in that in that place. That that was the end of Clarkey and who was it? Yeah, because they just Hammy, I think yeah, it was like they, a sewer. They, I think they went two pubs after that friend or gone. I think they lasted three or maybe yeah. four pubs. I was drinks responsible, everyone. I was yeah. I was drinks. David, how we on? Uh do I? No, Jesus no. Um Bit of, a little bit of controversy, but it's more kind of potentially stored by the media. But uh, Warren Gatlin's claiming he knew nothing about it, and it is what it is. But they struggled against Georgia yesterday. They bet them 13-6. But right at the very end of the game, they were missing a prop. So they had to go on an uncontested scrum. And by all accounts, Georgia were more than a match for Wales. Right. Um, because they hadn't got the full eight, they couldn't. So, they had, so basically, Georgia kicked into touch. And then had a, now in fairness they had plenty of efforts to get over the try line and potentially get the draw. I think they had ten phases before 
it eventually went wrong and it was gone. But there was a few who were a bit aggrieved about it was convenient that the two people who came off couldn't come back on. One true cramp and one... Because, yes, they were shorter one, but apparently, yeah, guys who came off can come back on. Yeah. And all of a sudden, now they can't. Yeah. Uh, to, to contest the scrum because by all accounts George were getting the upper hand and right. if they had off they could have eaten because they would have been only five yards out they easy would have got over to try and got a very right. embarrassing draw against Georgia at home but uh, Gatlin so is claiming that with the managers hello the hold on Ryan who is that Ryan Giggs hey. after coming in so, Ryan that's because he's not happy with us talking about Wales shut up Ryan get out of here Ryan yeah, I, could, I could get personal with you Ryan and tell you how's your <laughs> wife yeah shut up he's still talking I, I, oh, there we go <laughs> <laughs> How very dare you? He always does that. He always, always intrudes on someone yeah. else's, you know, something else's show or but family. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How very, very dare you. But anyway, that's the, the controversy, alleged controversy, or, you know, he said, no, he knew nothing about it. He didn't realise there wasn't enough on it. Blah, 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 blah. One lad was injured, one lad, I don't know. They just made him disappear. So they were rubbish? Yeah, well, I didn't see the game, uh, but. To only be 13-6 at home to Georgia, maybe a bit like Ireland went with a completely experimental side just to have a go, and it was actually a good result in the end because it's kind of like your second string being beating a first string. Mm. You know, by all accounts, Ireland not being over the critical of the boys and some of the reports I was reading, they won 23-20 against Fiji yesterday, but there was a lot of positives with a couple of the young guys coming through, and I think that's probably the best way to look at it. Obviously, next week, when they come up against one of the bigger in Argentina, it'll be, right, we're here to win. They expect to obviously win against Fiji, but next week it'll be like the full squad out again. And then it'll be a different story. So, but that's the way it should be done, shouldn't it? Exactly. I mean, you have to give everyone a, a go, and, yeah. and and they're the games to Plus do. Plus the it. body as well. Yeah, you know, if if there's two out of the three, now no disrespect to Fiji, but if you like these games mean a lot as well because just natural pride with rugby people is brilliant. The, they're never called friendlies. They're test matches yeah. because they never want to lose to these guys. But not only that, the rankings is huge. These games really do mean something. Like if you lose to Argentina, they could potentially overtake you and get into it. Like Ireland are in the top four at the moment, which means makes them a top seed. So yeah. beating these is quite important because I think the World Cup draw is done like years in advance. Yeah. Like the World Cup draw is already done for 2020. Yeah, You know, so that's why it's quite important to kind of stay at the top make of the tree. Sure where you so are. I suppose it's not just to and really the, try you. And because of that we got a decent draw I think. Didn't we get a decent draw? Didn't oh, we, we got easy. I think we got two qualifiers. Um, um oh, who was it? Scotland uh no. It's one of it's Scotland or Wales and uh, Scotland, no, it's Scotland. And uh, Italy. Is it Italy as I'm well? Really sure, and that's it. Yeah. No, there's two I, qualifiers. Yeah. And two qualifiers. Yeah. Well, England have two, I think. They've like Argentina, Australia. They've two yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, awkward yeah. ones. But I think they had it in the last draw as well. Yeah. Speaking so. of which, France 2023. Yeah, we got... I mean... Uh, we talked about this before. Because the technical commission, or whatever the right word is, they, they advised on going for South Africa. South Africa, yeah. And people and voted. Obviously, it went for France. Because allegedly, they make the most. They're going to make the most money out of it. Make the most money in a round of it. They didn't offer the, the most money up front. But whatever way it is, they, yeah. they're they going to make the most yeah. money. So, well, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's making money. It's not. Well, that's what Scotland pretty much told Ireland up front. Uh, Scotland and Wales obviously voted against. Uh, well, not voted against, but voted for others. Scotland basically said, oh, we're going to vote for whoever we can make the most money of. Simple as that. And that's what they said. Yeah. Wales, uh, there's a guy, I want to say Davies because it's a bit generic, but I actually think it is Davies, Garrett Davies or something. Right. He's part of the commission who would have recommended. They always go with whoever. whoever he recommended. So he would have yeah, recommended yeah. South Africa in this report. So he's obviously not going to go, right, we're voting for Ireland, even yeah. though technically I said South Africa is the best bid. And he was very upfront about that. So I don't know who the eight people were who voted for us, but, you know, it is what it is. It's gone to France. 
France's stadiums are ready to go. France's rugby is huge. Yeah, it's big business over there, and everyone's going to make a few quid. That's the biggest reason. It's just shows you within life. It's all people. It's all about money. People. It's not always the right thing. Sport, or it's it's it's. it's, it's it shouldn't be in. It's hard to call it sport anymore. Yeah, really, isn't it? In general. Yeah. You know, it is hard, unfortunately. Manchester United icon Ryan Giggs, who oh, rudely interrupted our show. Yeah. Okay. What about him? He has a new job. Now, he's up for, he's one of the favourites, I think, for the Welsh job. All but. right. But he's taken a job. Uh, he's joined the Vietnamese Academy as a youth director with Paul Scholes potentially set to join him. These lads will do it. Get, no, I don't get the... Actually, this is via, via video link or something. Tell me. No, I didn't. No, no video link. Gigs. No, they're going to do it by video link or something. Ah, get a couple of grand no, a month. No, I don't. I think, he, I think they have to go. They couldn't possibly. Uh, it says Gigs has inked a two-year deal to be head of a can- academy at the Promotion Fund of Vietnamese Footballing ta- Talents. Skull set to join him. The pair welcomed at the opening of the new training centre uh, later this month. So, what's the, what's the, where's, I don't get it. Do you know the way certain people, like the rich people and the politicians, when they eventually retire from being in the house, like uh, yeah. being a TD, they end up in these uh, boards and part of these groups and get a million a year but they do nothing yeah I'm sure it happens in football and this basically sounds like one because would they seriously do this full time absolutely not no this is probably a handy number for a nice few quid they've been told listen do your little bits we'll throw you a few quid it could be a fella who's English or who's not probably from Vietnam who's head of all this going I have a few ideas here make it look sexy and get gigs and skulls in but they do nothing yeah that, that's, what that's, that's what it screams of to me because why would why would he move to Philippines or Vietnam lads you want to make a nice few easy quid come out here once or twice a year and we'll get you a nice couple of you're not going to say no no absolutely not no. why do you think Robbie Keane's gone out to India and do you think if he gets the if he was offered the Wales job that he'd turn it down I don't think so he'll be able to do both I'd say as I said these consultancy these oh, board yeah, uh, I'm yeah. a member of this board a member, oh you get 100 grand a year for it happens in football as well let's face it yeah. and that's what this stinks of well Good luck, Ryan. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> Next. Um, what's his first name? De Rossi? What's De Rossi's first name from Italy? Daniele De Rossi. Oh, I was going to say, uh, say Franco. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you people of Italy, we've found them. We're on a roll. We're on a roll. Um, oh, it's this my fault. I'm so sorry. Gigs I'm is at so it again. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's yeah, who cares? It was a meaningless story. No one cares. Uh, yeah, Daniele De Rossi was uh, kind of uh, in a nice, admirable way. Refu- not refusing to come on uh, obviously they lost to Sweden in the playoff on Monday night but they were chasing the game about 15 minutes to go he looked at the assistant manager going what are you getting me on for Insignia's there get him on yeah I'm not go- he didn't refuse to go on he said why me what am I going to do I'm a defensive midfielder get Insignia on and go all in um, because the big furore about this guy is they went away to Spain in the qualifiers and apparently played a 4-2-4 a very yes. attack minded 4-2-4 and got absolutely battered yeah and then, when it really matters, he wants to put on a central defensive midfielder. A very good one at that. Mm. But that's who he wants to put on. And he said words to that effect. And he kind of came out afterwards and said, well, we're usually in, in groups of three. We go out and warm up. And I was told to get ready. And I said, why? Get the forwards ready. There's only 20 minutes to go. Why me? And he didn't come on. I don't even think Insignia came on. I don't know. I can't remember. Because I was actually watching the game. But right. it doesn't ring a bell who came on. But um, they were brilliant the first half. But... Uh, I, well, they had plenty of chances. But kind of... Even to the last minute, They were a bit though. stale in the end. Well, yeah, of course they were. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of admirable in a way. And apparently, 
loads of stories coming out about De Rossi and what type of a man he is. Obviously, some are coming out about Buffon and this, that, and the other. But uh, yeah, very much put Italy first uh, yeah. in this instance instead of like, yeah, I'll go on and try and grab the headlines, but now not be the right man. Did he? Did he refuse to go on? I'm not sure. I think apparently you can see, like allegedly, he's kind of like, why me? Why? Why isn't he going on? Why, yeah. isn't, why isn't? And Insigne is a, a well-known, decent striker. Yeah. Who I think he was in with Dortmund for a while. And I I've seen. Back in I've seen a few things before the game where players, ex-players and stuff, were saying that he had to play. Yeah, he had to. Play I think he's and he didn't start. the form striker, one of the better-known yeah. strikers in 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 Italy, mm. and it was very much along why not him instead of me. Uh, yeah. I don't like. He, I don't think he refused. It was very much like, no, get the strikers on and let's let's balls yeah. the wall, so to speak. Um, because put it this way, if he refused, the Italians would do something about it. You know what they do? Like they stone their players, yeah. houses no, and, and cars and stuff. Like if he refused to play, you know, they, you'd know about it. It yeah. was very much more questioning. Why? Why not stick on the forwards? We need to go. Yeah, we need to what go. are we going to do? And yet they didn't get to go. No. And they're gone. Yeah. And now Italy in the World Cup for the first time since yeah. 19... I think that's a good segue to come into chatting, unfortunately. I, don't really, I do want to do it, but I don't want to do it. Right. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We will go for <coughs> a, break. a break. And after that, then, we will talk about... We have to. We've been dancing around for 40 minutes. It's time to talk about Ireland. See you after the break. Welcome back to the big kickoff and Liffy Sound 96.4 M oh eight seven oh six two seven one three eight. The big kickoff ninety-six point four at gmail.com and Twitter is the big kickoff one. You like that song, David? Ah, yeah, it's got me up and add it again. Good. Ole, 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 ole. Shut up, you tart. <laughs> Go on, I'll let you start. I know. I'm not, listen, the reason, what, what we want to bring up, it was probably, it was a simple question, should he stay or should he go? And it came alive, and there was supposed to even up until yesterday. Yeah. Um, some nice and normal, some the usual tripe you hear from everybody. I, some of I them particularly are, like the, uh, Ar- uh, not Aaron Ramsey, uh, what's his name, <laughs> Ramsey? <laughs> What's his name? Can't take, oh, go on. What's your name? Ramsey the cook. Oh, the Gordon Ramsey. Gordon Ramsey's the little gif that they put up. What on was the it? Thing. F off. <laughs> and he's throwing a plate across the, the room. Was that to That was in relation to someone's comment. All oh, right, I was going to say, is this in relation to I just kind of I was saying, ah, yeah, it does. It, 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 it brews up emotions, you know? Ah, yeah, like, and it does, because without a shadow of a doubt, it means everything to us. But I think what I, the, the way I kind of want to go about this is kind of like some of the big opinions because I'm out on the road as you know and geez I've heard enough of them this week and a lot of them are the same because people don't have their own opinion some of them are quite clever that I'd love to bring up and some the ones that are quite popular that I potentially agree with I still I want to bring them up and then some that are very popular but I don't tend to agree with or listen there's a bit more to it than just ah, blah 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 and here's the bit of substance that's all it really is it's, I've no agenda I've no anti O'Neill personally I wouldn't mind a changing of the guard but I don't really I'm kind of accepted the fact that he's probably going to still be around I just have that feeling he will 
I, I don't think he'll want he'll walk yeah it'll be a case of Delaney having to say we've ripped it up good luck thanks very much I'd say yeah um, and I don't think that's going to happen deep down I don't think so would you no I, I do think he will go on for another yeah, two years at least and if he does he does we'll still get behind him so I'm not here to kind of sharpen the knife and moan about how bad we are and how this we are it's kind of more to bring up like well, we might as well start with the first one one of the ones that annoys me well, so who's going to replace him it's quite easy. There's hundreds of them. Hundreds, mate. Yeah. There's hundreds of them. That is one one of the things that annoys me when I hear The Celtic fans are saying that. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, do you know why? Uh, two or three of them in a row all week. Oh, blah, 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 you're open. You're, you're, you've cut Brown and this. Rangers did it as well. Yeah. Who, who, what genius was that? If O'Neill's a genius, what? oh, no, he's not. He's not a genius, whoever it was. I don't even know who it was. Yeah. But uh, uh, they're almost frothing going, you're not supposed to remember that. You're not yeah. supposed to remember our history. Yeah. A couple of years later, Rangers did the same thing. So whoever it was, he's a genius. Get him in. Yeah. So why get him the Ranger? <laughs> you can almost see them. So there's hundreds of them. Yeah, out that's it. That's a, a null and void. Uh, who was it? No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's. But they're null and void comments. To, to just throw out there, Asher, who else is there? There's hundreds loads and, and loads of people. That what kind of gets at me is is it's the manner. Of, it's not about us going out. Yeah, you, 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 we are a country who mm-hmm. will go into tournaments and miss a few tournaments. We know that already. Yeah. It's the manner of how we play. This was our. Glory, and when, it was a glorious chance for us to get there. When you see the manner that Northern Ireland went out and the manner that our Republic of Ireland went out, mm-hmm. I would rather go out fighting mm-hmm. than go out being afraid and that's Northern Ireland as good as Switzerland and they can say quite easily they can have they have a hard luck story yeah technically they weren't the better side technically they were beaten quite easily by Switzerland in in Windsor Park but at the same time they were shafted by a terrible decision yeah that could have gone to penalties and they won and they get there you know I have no problem with Ireland doing that but Northern Ireland rolled the dice and had a plan away from home away in they were excellent they were superb and if they had got something out of a credit to them and and it wasn't this technical ability I I, I, this this is this is next if this is is an under my skin moment (laughs) alright this technical oh we're not good technically this is nonsense these are I've an argument for that in a minute professionally played players Northern Ireland can't be ten times more technical than Mm -hmm. the Republic of Ireland they play like it they played like it the other day Mm -hmm. they got on the ball they they switched the play first touch passes they they were penning uh, Switzerland back into their own half there's there's no argument that is a false argument and there's potentially one guy he's actually toward favour at the moment and I'm not saying I want a minute or whatever, but O'Neill, we have a lot of similar. There's a lot of evidence to kind of destroy some of these silly comments. Like, Michael O'Neill went on a great run in Europe with Shamrock Rovers. Yeah. And that's why he got it off the back of that. Yeah. And they rolled the dice. He's not a sexy name. I'd say a lot of Northern Irish fans would have been, what? Yeah. We're going for a Shamrock Rovers manager, blah, blah, blah. Literally last season, we have a man from Ireland who done the exact same thing and better. He got to the last game of the Europa League and still go to qualify to the knockout stages yep. and played a very good brand of football with a team who is very much lesser of our national side. Yeah. And how was he able to do that? Yeah, but this is it. So that's why I'm saying he should be in the mix. Dundalk were excellent in that all the way and playing football. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. And when they had to defend, they defended because that's what you do. They sat back in their banks of five, two banks of five almost, and went long when they were in trouble. But, that w- that but when they had time, they played it. Played the football. And yeah. played it out. And they had a plan to do Risk that. and reward. We don't have a plan. To but do it was that. risk and reward football. Yeah, yeah. Like, there is a risk with some of this type of football, but there's a great reward in that we might get goals and might win a game. Yeah. 
Well, we just play no risk football under Ireland. So there's a manager. So when you say that, so you've said what you've said there. Mm. When you say that and then you say, well, you know, I don't really, I'm not really getting on the, the, the Martin. Oh, yeah, of course I am. You kind of, you kind of don't really want them there. Personally, I think it's, I think it's even Tuesday alone, I think is enough for him to kind of be like, listen, I think you lost it there. Yeah. Like, I know Andrews went way out there and said I was absolutely clueless. And Noel Quinn, it was a bit of a joke, but at the same time, he probably meant it. I think our only answer is to say a decade of the rosary. Yeah. Because we, like, we literally gave, as one of the lads said on the road this week, which was funny, we literally took the keys off. Bob Geldof's freedom of Dublin and gave it to Ericsson. Yeah. But O'Neill did it personally. The manager basically goaded O'Neill. Yeah. He said before the game, job done, we're going to Dublin because Ireland have a much poorer home record than they do away. We're going to put to a much better pitch and we'll probably get more time and space. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And what happened? That's exactly what happened. And he practically told O'Neill to give it a go. And he did with buckets and spades. Like another point to have here, Mylers are captain. He's come good in the la- at the end of the campaign and he takes him off at halftime. You don't take your captain off at halftime. No, I don't care who no, you are. No. Uh, why have a captain? It makes a mockery yeah, of, of... Yeah, exactly. That, you know, making him um, a captain. O'Dowell has played two of the last three games and has been quite good, good and, and shows sign. Uh, and he puts McGeady on instead of him. Yeah. It has been anonymous for years. Yeah, they're decisions that make no sense whatsoever. And that's why it's not just because of the whole camp but just that game alone there was too many questions that rose up for me going what what, what are you doing that's why Andrews is coming across as saying it's clueless because it's like I, none of the, some of these decisions don't make sense yeah. get rid of your holding boys completely like Hendrick was probably the most quietest of the three and he keeps him and gets rid of Myler and Arthur yeah it, yeah. it, no, it, it, they don't make sense. Yeah. There's no. You want a manager who's in total control. Yeah. He, you want a manager who, when the situation changes, I mean, when we were two one down, right? We went one nil down or one nil up. We had a couple of chances. We went two one down, and it was a shock because it was three mm-hmm. minutes, and you go, oh crap! And we're really, we have to score two now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A manager who has paid that amount of money is supposed to have a cool, calm head yeah. and not panic, and he panicked. And this is my little. The wife, uh, you know, it wasn't a, a woman moment or some a non-football person moment, but she always says it. I don't like him about O'Neill, yeah, so because he always comes across very rude. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, some people are like that. It's a bit, but it's gas. For some reason, it just screamed out on Tuesday night because he was ready to go before Tony O'Donnell asked any questions. And do you know why? Because he knew deep down, like he knows his faults, he knows his flaws, but he doesn't want anyone else to say yeah, it. Yeah. And as soon as he asked a remotely dodgy question, he was at him yeah. and couldn't wait to get out. Why? Because he knows he made a mistake. But unfortunately, mate, put your hand up. You know? Well, I, I can but, hear what you're saying. You want them out. Yeah, deep down I do. I think you uh, do. Of course I do. And I but think I'm not anti-O'Neill because I've accepted the fact that he's probably going to be around. But it's like, what are you going to do about it? What are you... What are you going to do to try and turn this around a little bit, mate? And I really hope you're going yeah, to. Because I can, if you don't, he needs to be sacked. I can cope watching Ireland not qualify yeah. if if we play in the right way. That one, we're not talking about Barcelona here. We're talking about playing to your strengths. Being competitive. And be competitive. We haven't been competitive. Not part, of, part of a game of football is attacking and defending. There, 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 there's, there's, there's two basics. Yeah. We defend and yeah. defend yeah. and hope to get a result. That that's not football. Look, a quick point because uh, I want to bring up one or two. A quick point: the the, the Wales game. Unfortunately, yeah. before the leg break, Coleman did absolutely nothing that he does week in week out. Every time he touched the ball, it went long. Yes, and I say he's, I say it killed him. 
but he's a top, top he's a company boy in a nice way he'll do whatever his gaffer says to him and he is a much better footballer than that but that's proven it proves further still that's exactly what they're told to do Duffy once or twice is quite ca- capable of taking a touch the other day and moving into midfield and getting it into this midfield and trying to get something going because that's what he does during, uh, like week in week out with Brighton Chris Hewton doesn't play long ball football yeah you know Newcastle don't play long ball football yeah so that's Karen Clark uh, Burnley probably mix it up a little bit because yeah. they have to yeah yeah but that that's one very quick point I want to bring up about uh, a lad who said it during the week and he's very clever uh, Stephen Ward he has them mistakes in him he is a bit, a bit dodgy but he didn't have his crutch with him which was James McLean yes he was elsewhere he was under yes apparently he was up front apparently he was out wide I don't know where he was I but think that he wasn't was, his yeah he was playing he against playing on the right McLean. I think what he was told was we're going to play 4-5-1 right yeah but when you have the chance drift in and try and support Morphy yeah. that was that was the big plan to That's support Morphy yeah. and it failed miserably yeah and Ward was left on his own and unfortunately he made two clangers yeah. which helped loads of individual mistakes but Ward anytime he gets the ball anyhow when he gets the ball 90% of the time fear. he passes it backwards yeah he's so afraid and the one, you know, the one time out of 10 that he does try to go forward he makes an arse of it so you he can see why he goes back. he literally couldn't do it any slower though no he? no it was telegraphed man read it long miles long. but um, another thing people trying to be positive about it because you know us Irish like to mix it up a bit and like to throw in a different opinion and another one that annoys me oh but we were in pot four we done well no we had a cracking group yeah Wales weren't pot one by default because yeah. they had a great two years yeah you get double or triple points in a major tournament they snuck into it the, iron- the irony of it is we're in pot two in the UEFA Nations League Serbia are still in pot three yes you know this is why this coefficient thing so shut up about this yeah. pot four yeah, no no we- it's nonsense you know it's not a job well done you know it shows you how bad we are in the major tournaments when we get there that we couldn't jump at least to part three or part two yeah. after the Euros where Wales were able to jump into number one last Christmas yeah I gave you my, my heart. heart straight away I thought of that so <laughs> last Christ- Merry Christmas everyone last Christmas I was thinking yes this is a great chance here top, we're top of, the group. of the table two points clear I think it might have been two we points were, clear uh, or at least joint, joint top no I, th- I think we're two points clear yeah we were top anyway and then you're looking at where we have these home games Austria and Wales next and we went out to, dr- to not lose those two games. I was thinking about this out loud uh, the other day to myself in the car. Away form was... We didn't lose. Yeah. I think we won... Won two and drew three. I think is the... We drew with Serbia, drew... No, sorry, won three and drew two. Yeah. Right, we drew with Georgia and we drew with Serbia and we won in uh, Moldova, Wales and Ashley. I don't think Ian I wouldn't poke holes to that as much as I think we should have we should have bet Jordan it's irrelevant yeah Denton, one he, win but he was afraid one win one loss and three draws yeah like he he, he literally you know shot his pants about our best performance if we away. lose this we're out you know we've got points let's not lose and we'll still be ahead of How them that's what he was thinking attacking in Austria and being attacking in Serbia yeah, and then not do it at home um, and then the one last one have I got one here yeah some of the players being a bit spoiled and uh, we're hunting too and blah. shut up <laughs> you've earned so much money the people the reason why they're angry is because they're about to hit the credit unions and go into debt to go and follow you in Russia yeah. so if they're not happy what happened on Tuesday let them moan yeah. don't be giving it to, and, and, and it's at McLean oh don't forget I'm hurting too and the, I couldn't care less if you cry I'm glad it's hurting you mate because you know what some of the rest of them need to be hurting because people literally go out of their way and put themselves in financial trouble to go and follow them so yeah. if they're annoyed and pissed off shut up and let them yeah well now in fairness to James McLean he gives everything 100% yeah. so well, he, he, can't, he can't fall I actually but I hate the I, way to go to that uh, don't be overly critical of us shut up yeah no you know? we're, we're, I, I don't think anyone was overcritical of the players 
I, that's no, the thing. Over critical. Don't be always having a go. His his Instagram post was about listen, we're hurting too. Yeah, I, I say in that. I say that. Me. That, but I think he's missing the point. I don't no, think he was anyone was being cr- yeah. critical of the players. I think people done. are being cl- critical of yeah. the, the, the way the team has been told to play. But that's yeah. what we want. And then just one last quick one about the whole, uh, oh, we're not as good as what we were. That's that's true. But pretty much the most of Europe is the same. Yeah. So everyone's levels have come down. Italy are not as good. That's it. Like our heyday was what, 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Holland are certainly not as good. Italy are not as good. England are definitely not as good. France are not as good. Yeah. They're trying to. Spain are not as good. One or two are going the other way. You're Belgians, but it's all cyclical. But you know what the guy's saying is Belgium invested. Iceland invested. Yes. Uh, Germany have invested. That's why they're improving. Yeah. Ireland are investing, but it stops before the senior team, as in they're separate to the yes. rest of. So get your finger out if you want to make this improving and try your best. So some of the arguments are a bit silly. Cop on to yourselves. We're not who we are. Enjoy it, but at least roll the dice and give it a go. And we can tolerate we can't be a country of putting ourselves down all yeah, the time and exactly. it's not just in sport it's in everything we always seem to yeah. put ourselves down we're just little old Ireland yeah. you know pay back the banks we're just yeah. you know we owe them <laughs> yeah. we're not like that so it's all being a fault and <laughs> being a Gael's fault right uh, we put a song on and then we come back with our guest <laughs> Mr Brightside how ironic <laughs> Good man, welcome back to Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Our phone number is 0870627138. Again, the big kickoff 96.4 at gmail.com. And on Twitter, the big kickoff one. Okay, in the studio today we have Declan, is it Mar? Uh, yeah, that'd be the right way to pronounce it. Mar. Yeah. <laughs> not, not the way I get it in America, but yeah. What, what, what do you get? Is oh, it? no, Miyagor. Mia- Mr. Miyagi. Who is a professional gambler and runs his own website, learnbetwin.com. Declan, welcome to the big kickoff. Uh, thanks, right. Listen, before we get into the ins and out of the professional gambling, what's your first memories of gambling before like you ever went into making a living from it? Um, I don't know. I'd say probably betting on the Grand National or something like that when I was growing up I think did you because I remember when I was betting on the Grand National it was here's fiver going back whatever horse you want and you won 50 quid and you thought you were a millionaire then at 7 years of age or (laughs) 8 years of age that's probably looked down on now you're probably not allowed to do that anymore you're not allowed to do much you're not allowed to do much it's a very PC world yeah Uh, when you started gambling putting bets on at a legal age obviously uh, did you have any sort of superstitions or anything or, or, or like were you you very sharp from the start um, no I wouldn't say I was sharp from the start when I would have been betting it would have been the same as what most punters do now like you're, you would have been losing um, you would have been losing money you wouldn't have been anywhere near the the research and the stuff put into selections then it would have been you know based more on Hunches. Yeah, it wouldn't have been that uh, solid. Like, and yeah. as well back then, there wouldn't have been the opportunity to make money as they say would be now. Like, okay, it was easier probably back then. You were only betting against odds compilers. Yeah, which is good. Whereas now they have the likes of Betfair, the betting exchanges, like to guide them price and stuff. So they kind of just copy them rather than have their own opinion. 
which kind of makes it harder to beat. But at the same time, the margins are a lot lower now than they were if if I was to start gambling. Like if you were gambling, say thirty years ago, the bookies would be betting to much bigger margins. Yeah, kind of like their profit, um, over a hundred percent. Like which would be if you backed everything to get back the same amount, kind of thing. Like yeah. so it would definitely have been um, harder that way. So, like, we have a good these days for punters because there's so much choice that there wouldn't have been around before. You have all the betting exchanges, the bookies competing with each other. Yeah. So it's a lot more uh, competitive. And it's, it's so easy now as well with online. So there's yeah, a lot. Yeah, it does make it a lot easier for them to track you, though. Yeah. In that they, back in the day, bookmakers were bookmakers. Now they're not really. They're just... All they, they want to minimize risk and maximize profit and they're not interested in taking you on so to speak like so they close accounts much quicker now than yes. what they what they would have done in the past right. and it's a lot easier as well because whereas before you had to go into a betting office or, or go to the track to get a bet on and they would be taking bets in those kind of scenarios now it's most people are getting their bets on online and it's very easy to track people and like you know they'll track stuff on your your computer and stuff they know like you can't just have an account to close and get your girlfriend to open one up on the same laptop with the same wi-fi like it just they, they know they'll have a track straight away right yeah. okay um so what did you work beforehand and how did you make the transition into professional gambling well um i worked for, i worked in horse racing for um i did uh the leaving cert then i wasn't um I never put much effort into school right. study and stuff. So I did um, a fast course and it was like, um, what do they call it, a race or something, I think it was called. So it was like like an apprenticeship course. Okay. Even though I was always like quite tall, so I was never I was never really intended to be a jockey, but I just did, I think, a two-week course for the crack in um, probably in my leaving cert year, like probably before I finished or did a leaving, I think. And then they called X amount of people back to do the... I think it was a nine-month course down in um it's just outside Kildare town right so i did that i got called for that and i did that and it was a bit of crack like and i ended up in derma wells so i worked there for i'd say about seven or eight years right and i was in Mildler stood down during the winter a few times just breaking the Ireland. and did what happened then with the like how, how did you what, what made you decide right well professional gambling is the way to go forward was there any reason why like why you got out of that sort of horse right. industry and went into it um well i always liked betting so like even when i was younger you'd go to um our annual holiday was like the galway races right and salt hill back then was a lot more you know like casinos and stuff like yes, that like yeah, all the little slots and that's where we went in our holidays every year <laughs> salt hill and that was the highlight like, ground slots think, yeah slots. there's a lot more apartments and stuff there now yeah, like it's not yeah, the same yeah. but it's um but back then that's what it was and you know you wouldn't you might be only betting two peas and stuff but I could, had, one of the casinos then brought in this uh, little horse racing game I think there was maybe eight runners or yeah, something like yeah. that I know it still going still going if you're, if you're in front at halfway you had no hope like yeah. <laughs> false yeah, and you'd still fall for it going yes, yes yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. no no they make it a little dark the ones at the back just go it's like there's people underneath I think but I was always kind of even though I didn't do great in maths in school probably because it was boring but uh yeah i was always kind of trying to figure stuff out like that out like and i was actually in there i would think i was about 10 and i was in the <laughs> casino i think i spent about three hours writing down every single result did you well i thought it would repeat 
Yes. I was yeah. I was thinking yeah. it was going to go like 500 races and then start again. So I, I kept trying to look back to see was the pattern <laughs> coming again and again. I think I spent the whole did day it? in there and I never did. No, no way. <laughs> I thought I was going to make it for it. <laughs> God, I never. Do you like to crack the codes, do you? Do you right. like them kind of things, that kind of puzzles? Do you like cracking codes a little bit or a bit of... Um, yeah, well, I suppose now I'm more into like... Yeah. Maybe trying, like using data to come up with ways to maybe find inefficiencies in the market or something like that rather than say code cracking and such but yeah it's a similar type of thing like, yeah yeah like mm-hmm. you have to you have to use logic as well as just data yeah. to like i think if you don't have a knowledge of the sport you're trying to model you're just coming up like i've read papers on horse racing and soccer and stuff where you have um people wouldn't that would be way better on stats than me but they come up with a model and you're there like you're never going to make money with a model that basic and that yeah. you know they don't because they don't really understand the sport they don't know how to you can only the computer can only do what you tell it to do yes. if you know what I mean like so you have to be able to tell it to think like you and then get it to do that and then that would work out like so that's always a challenge especially with horse racing because there's the variables and unknown variables there's so many like yeah yeah uh, when you first went into gambling had you already You'd obviously already been gambling up to a certain level, so maybe in the background you were you were happy enough at a certain stage that I'm, I can make a living out of this. It wasn't just overnight, boom! I'm gonna I'm gonna um, be a professional gambler. No, but it was circumstances as well. Um, I was I had actually for a few winters uh, because Dermot Well is mostly a flat trainer. He does have a few jumpers. It would have been in the winter. Uh, he 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 nearly always cleaned out every every single stable in the winter, and uh, we you'd hose them down and disinfect them and everything like it would kind of um, protect against say, getting viruses and stuff like that. And but he also painted all of the boxes every winter. So say X amount of lads might volunteer to do the painting, and uh, but we'd also because there'd be so many horses gone home, they'd be gone home to their you know a lot of their owners are big owners and they'd have their own facilities for having horses during the winter when they wouldn't really be in full training yeah. and Mike there would always take their horses home during the winter and he, they might have I don't know what they'd have now but they could have had 60 horses but well like or something or something around that like but they would Mike there would also have so because they'd have their horses home they need people to ride them they would only have maybe four or five full time staff that could ride out like right. suddenly in the winter they have all of the horses back from well yeah, and they also yeah. have maybe 30 yearlings for that year that need to be broken in and, and ridden like off so a good few of us would go over every every winter and basically spend the winter in Mygler like and we'd right. go over and back every day Jimmy Feen used to actually drive down the back roads from thing to the to Mygler and um but sometimes I actually moved home then to Leakslip because it was so handy because I just get, could get the bus in yeah. and get picked up there yeah but uh so that was good crack and I had actually left Dermot Wells, I think. I think I rang him up and said I wasn't coming back. I was going to work in Mygler for a while, and that was when I. I think it was. It was yeah. It was it was the morning of because I was always telling the lads in Mygler when I'd be over there that I used to be always sick um, for Shelton in school. <laughs> so I'd be telling them how I came down with a mysterious uh, cold on the Monday of Shelton every year, and uh, I was only telling them this a few days beforehand. And then suddenly on the morning of... It was Easterback's last champion hurdle, the one where he actually pulled up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was 2001. And uh, I came in, like, I went in and I had um, 
a really bad pain in my uh, chest and it had happened to me before under my wells and it was a collapsed lung and I, I, it was quite painful when you're riding out like but I it was it was the same side and I or no it was actually a different side but the other side had happened twice and I had surgery on it but it was a different side but I knew the pain and I was pretty sure that's what it was like. yeah and um, but I went in and rode out a horse anyway and it was it was sore and I was I'm going home like I have to um, get this checked out and they were of course yeah the boy who rode both yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what time was the first race yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I actually went to the doctor and he said it's probably a collapsed lung he says do you want me to bring um, <laughs> that bring an ambulance to bring it to A&E and I'm there um, actually I'll go in myself later <laughs> yeah, on yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I wait I waited till the last race before I went in but it was it, it was a collapsed lung but it wasn't actually too bad that time it was <clears throat> It was down, but they didn't need to stick tubes and all that in. It was just, um, they were able to get it packed up by just sticking a needle and that in. But I was, I never went back to work then after that because I'd already been, Bedford was around and I was already making some money on Bedford. So okay. while I was off, I just kept doing so that. This, that was your opportunity to just yeah, say, right? And yeah, and I just was making was money. a side so project I, that eventually just, became. Yeah, I just said I'm not, I never went back, so. Right. Uh, so how did, how, how, how did you get the... How did your lung collapse? Did, did, they, did they explain? They say uh, tall and skinny that it can happen without like an impact. Oh, I'm alright, Tom. Yeah, well, no, they used to call me streaky Shanahan, so <laughs> it didn't happen. And yeah, so gambling. I, I mean, if you look at, at gambling now, it probably it's nearly a, a people use it as like it's a bad word. Why, why, um, why do you think that is? Like, I mean, I suppose it's is, is this PC Ireland just gone mad now? Well, it, it, it's totally gone mad, yeah. Um, with gambling, like, there's obviously people that have problems gambling, the same as people have problems with alcohol and, yeah. and other stuff mm-hmm. that you can do in moderation. Um, so, yeah, like, I think people always like to blame somebody else as well, you know? I like, think that's what it is, yeah. You know, it's always... It's never their fault kind of thing. But because when I said that, I said, listen, we're going to get a professional gambler on. And you're going, oh, well, you know, gambling. Yeah. And you're thinking, hold on. What, what? There is no problem mm. with gambling. It's legal. You're allowed to do it. Everyone does little bits here and there. And as you said, there, there is some people who, who suffer from it. But there's people who suffer from everything, you know, sniffing glue. But yeah. we get the, the vendor of glue in or whatever like that. <laughs> it's not going to be a problem, you know. So I, I, I don't get it. I just think, yeah, as you said, people are looking to blame well, someone else. If for, everyone for did their betting the way I do, they probably wouldn't have a problem with it because... They probably wouldn't have bookies. One, they'd be pretty winning, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but as well as that, the problem is that you're making impulsive decisions and you're you're uh, chasing losses. That's that's what a problem is when you're gambling. Like mm. that's what that's how they run up debts and stuff like that. If you're actually if you actually learned um discipline and only to bet when you think that the price has more chance of winning the thing, that's that's a totally different thing than mm. chasing money and thing and if they actually learned that well then maybe people wouldn't have a problem. Now I understand some people will always just won't be able to do that like so you can't like if somebody has a problem gambling you shouldn't be telling them to gamble like but is there is there ways potentially and i suppose uh, i think what a lot of them really love poking at is the online side of things is there ways of potentially safeguarding because obviously there's so many programs now and they can see people's betting history and stuff is there ways of not not necessarily blocking them halfway through but is there a way of even just posting up something going he's gone a bit mad, more mad than usual today is, yeah. can we put up a warning thing is, do We're you think given, there's ways and means of but there's definitely the, the software bookmakers use to stop people winning money off yeah. them and closing accounts of anyone that looks like they might they can have they the technology for the opposite they're, they're supposed to do it um, they all have a uh, I think what you call exclude programs where they'd uh, 
did you you could self exclude or you could say I'm only allowed to lose X amount and mm-hmm. all of this. So they have things like that. Um, they're supposed to monitor it to stop people that they think are suspect. But like, I'm not going to go into them. But there's yeah. been cases where they've been found not to maybe have done as much as they should have done. But yeah. a few recent cases of I think there was a postman that lost a couple of hundred thousand and another one that I think I was reading one there recently as well about somebody else like and it looked like you know there was findings that the bookmakers maybe fell short in their uh, yeah in their uh, what they should have done maybe their responsibilities for a thing but yeah. like I think now it is becoming more of a thing and like, it was even because um, I seen uh, some tweets last week or the week before about a responsible gambling week or something and they were promoting it and there is probably more legislation and stuff now that to, yeah. to make them do it like which is which is good obviously because because like even if you were reasonably good at gambling if you just have one or two mad days you could lose yeah lose a lot like so yeah and i mean a bad day as in not like everyone will have a bad day like i have bad days gambling but i mean a bad day in that you were doing stuff that you shouldn't or that you didn't wouldn't have planned to do that morning yeah yeah in other words like chasing loss there needs to be a plan yeah there needs to be a plan they had a discussion on and you can try your headphones on there declan they had a discussion on radio five live about gambling and sport and they say it had reached its tipping point. Let's have a listen. What do you make of what seems to be a really big number and a growing number of young people who are betting on football? Well, I, I, I'm really concerned. <laughs> I have to say, I, I think uh, the kind of world that young people are growing up in these days, um, we, you know, the presence of the internet, the use of the internet, um, uh, the relationship between gambling and sport seems to me to be reaching a tipping point, particularly for football. You know, nine of the um, 20 Premier League clubs uh, have shirt sponsorship um, by um, gambling businesses, most of which I would say actually are outside of the, have their businesses outside of this country. Um, but, but nevertheless, uh, our young people are, are, are frankly finding, I think, through this process of, of the intimate relationship between football and gambling, gambling is becoming normalised. It's every day part of young people's lives and, and, and it's a little disturbing to hear the story you've just heard where you know gambling is, is now being used quite naturally to sort of hedge against their, their disappointment of, of a team losing and, and, and I, I can't I, that, that cannot be healthy <laughs> What do you make of that? <laughs> Discuss <laughs> um, <laughs> like is, I don't know who he was or like it was no, it, it was a, it's a, I don't know, from a psychologist or oh. something like that that was on Five Live. There were having a few people on at the, at the time and they were bringing in and out different people discussing uh, gambling. Uh, but is it that, like, I mean, it, I'll see uh, Bet365 on, is it Stoke? I'm not sure who, Stoke, I think it might be Stoke's yeah, yeah. jersey. It doesn't necessarily make me want to go to Bet365 and gamble. So is it just that everything now is made more available in everything? Computer games, everything is made more available and easy. You can play people online and on. Mm-hmm. There's more access and easier to access. And it's just maybe these people who have these compulsions, it's just made it easier for, for more of them to, 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 to access them. Is that a possibility, do you think? Or do you think that there shouldn't be gambling on football jerseys, on et cetera, et cetera, posters in, in near schools or whatever it is? No, I don't see if if something is legal. I don't see why you shouldn't be able to advertise it. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. It's the same. Like, it, like it's bad in in horse racing in that nearly an awful lot of the revenue comes from bookmakers. Like, so it's not. Um. From either 
punters' losses and also then from sponsorship from bookmakers. Like So racing probably relies too heavily on bookmakers. Yeah. I don't know if there's a whole lot they can do about it, like, because... Um, you know, the cat, in other uh, countries, like in America and stuff, the tote would be what well, tote is what what you would bet at at the track. Yeah, and it's uh, like um, they, they they give out whatever twenty percent less what they take in, or depending on the market, the, the percentages will be different. But it's you can't take a price as such, like with a bookmaker, seven to one in the morning, and you're betting against an odds compiler or whatever. This would be a set thing, like if everyone evenly backed. 10 horses in the race the payout will be even like it's it's mm. based on the amount they take in and in a system like that racing could run it and they would take they would be able to self-fund then but that's never going to happen over here and, and nor do I think it should be like we're yeah. actually better off like but yeah. it does mean then you're dependent on levy schemes and stuff like that to get money back from what the bookmakers would ma- make on racing so but like regarding the advertising and stuff I don't know I think if something is legal you should be allowed to advertise it. Like, I know they stopped, say, cigarette advertising where you can't, I don't even think they're allowed to brand them anymore, are they? No, no. And I suppose cigarettes are legal, but they don't want people doing it. But gambling as a, as a pastime, taking out people who have a problem with it and end up doing stuff they shouldn't do, which is the exact same as somebody that ends up being an alcoholic. You're not yeah. going to ban drinking from everyone, are you, because no. of that? So I don't see that much difference that way. Like, it's just, just people with the will of issues, but it's not a reason to stop the 99% of people that don't, that don't enjoy yeah. it. Like. Yeah, and I think that's, I think they, I think you're right, whether it's 95 or 96 or 7 or 99%, the majority of people I think do gamble mm-hmm. safely. It's right. just, yeah, uh, and there it is, is a only, lot of hard luck stories. And it is only fivers and tenors and they watch their match and they might have, like I think I watched, was it Chelsea and Man United there a couple of weeks ago and geez, you'd have to have a bet to watch it like it was that bad. Like. Well, the, la- <laughs> <laughs> the last bet that I had was uh, Spirit of Rosanna, which I, I, uh, who raced, uh, you had him at 10 to 1, I believe. I looked on your site, I said, ah, I'll throw a tenner on him and I won 80 quid and that's the last one I won and I had a nice little uh, night out on 80 quid. So, <laughs> But that's... You know, being able to just throw a couple of quid yeah. on something and then forgetting about gambling if that's the way yeah. it is. And that's generally where most people are. You're a little different. We'll talk after the break. We'll talk about your website and, and, and so on. OK. Broadcasting to Lucan. This is Liffy Sound. 96.4 FM. And welcome back to the big kickoff at Liffy Sound 96.4 FM. We are heavily in discussion here. <laughs> About the cinema. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should close cinemas. <laughs> so, this, Declan, so how do you make gambling profitable for yourself? Um, well, for I, from the start, I was betting on Betfair, which is a betting exchange, and uh, I've done betting on uh, BetDAC as well, which is another betting exchange. But um, so that was my way of making money, and you don't get. Um, I did open bookmaker accounts at one stage, but like they lasted various lengths of time but not that long but if you are betting like for for a living you're betting normally much bigger stakes than what an average person would be betting is is betting and it means that even if you even if your bookmaker hands didn't get closed you wouldn't get the stakes on that you would want with one bookmaker like so yeah it was never i never really i just opened when they got closed uh, it didn't bother me that much uh so I was always, all my betting would have been on the exchanges where it's, uh, you're basically betting against somebody else. It'd be like you taking 
uh, Spurs yesterday and me telling Arsenal we're going to beat them. Yeah. And we had a bet on it. And Don't tell me you backed Sp- no, Arsenal yesterday. I didn't. I didn't back anyone in it, but... Um, I was surprised Arsenal bet them as well. Yeah, it? I think for everyone it was. It, yeah, was, it, was. it was a big because turnover. Because it wasn't, it wasn't just they got two goals out of nothing. They, they pretty much dominated. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, but for betting... What was I talking about? But uh, it's between two people in the betting exchange. Yeah, yeah. So um, you'd have to normally agree in a price. Like the stock exchange, buying and selling shares, it would be very similar mm. because you're, uh, you're coming, Betfair, the exchanger, or the middleman, and you're meeting at a price for say um, Arsenal yesterday maybe 2.4 like yeah. 11 to 8 or something like that and then at that point that's where the, the markets meet and you can either back or lay it at maybe 2.38 and yeah. you could back it at and lay it at 2.4 and basically they're matching people it doesn't necessarily have to be one person it could be you could have a bet and it could be 10 different people matching it it could be 100 or it could be one like but they're basically the middleman to get people in the middle at a, at a fair a price that both people are happy to have a strike a wager with opposing right. wagers. So would you would your ratio in relation to backing and laying on is a fifty fifty or would you back more so than you would lay? Um, mostly backing, yeah, and it's mainly because of the way. Well, like I, I'm doing now, so like, because I was never able to take it. Like the one problem with exchanges is that there's great liquidity in the hour and two before the off, but in smaller races and during the week and stuff, there wouldn't be in the mornings and. You would often have horses you would fancy and then watch their price come in without getting any money on it. And I opened the premium service on my website, uh, premium advisory service, I think four years ago. And that is basically my way of getting money off the morning prices with okay. bookmakers. So like, I could go around and try and get or recruit people to put bets on for me. And I would obviously not have to pay tax on that. And I'd probably make more money, but it would also be a lot, an awful lot more work yeah, yeah. liaison with so many different people whereas yeah. now I, I people join up and they're a member and it's a lot easier like the accountancy of it and stuff like that like and that's done like extremely well like right. you um, said you were uh, you, you you worked through Betfair uh, I read an article and said you paid commission to Betfair I think it was 125,000 for a year or something like that what, what's that about or I was not Irish independent Oh uh, yeah, that was that was two thousand and eight. It's a good few yeah, years ago. Yeah, I would have been betting a lot bigger then in a different type of way because um, I was betting to kind of uh, stake stake wise, as in money would be a lot higher, but profit margin would have been a lot lower. Right. Like for instance, now like my premium service, I think the ROI is on all bets over the four years is twenty point five percent. Um. But it wouldn't have been doing that when I was betting on Betfair back then and turning over huge sums of money. It would have been, I was probably making three percent, maybe four percent, right? Which means you end up paying quite a bit of commission okay. versus your profits, if right. you know what I mean. Okay. Like, All right. um, so, yeah, I would have paid that, but they actually have a thing now where they charge you a premium charge if you've made over, I think, a million pounds lifetime on Betfair and um, you haven't paid, is it? 40% of your profits in commission so if you'd made a million if you haven't paid them 400 grand in commission they're going to bring it up to 400 grand okay All they right. don't do it retrospectively now but from that point forwards yeah, you yeah. will be liable for everything you make to have paid at the end of that week to have paid 40% of that in um, not in uh, in commission now it, if you lost one week it, that would be offset the following week so you won't just get done for 40% on your good weeks like, yeah. but it basically means they're going to make 40% of anything you make and their theory is that it, 
it costs them so much money to replace losing punters for winning punters okay. to take their money like so right. I don't know so it's a tax it's yeah well it's I, like they are entitled to make money off you yes. like if, you, yeah. if, you're, if I'm making good money on it they're entitled to, now 40% I think is a bit steep <laughs> yeah steep um, so what sports do you back on is it I did read it's mostly horse racing is that still the be mostly horse racing there was a time I made uh, money on soccer like good money on soccer but um, that was back probably I'd say 12, 14 years ago, and I mean, you didn't have to be that scientific with right. So is, is horse racing more predictable than other sports? Is, is that why? It's not more predictable. Soccer would be better for modern, but that's the problem, because you have, like, there's at least, there's one, at least one, probably more than, there's more than one, but there's one, like, uh, Tony Bloom, he actually owns um, a few racehorses. He had a big winner at Ascot recently, and he won the Cesarewitch as well. Like, they have... Um, a big operation and I think it's Brighton like he owns actually he owns uh, Brighton Football Club okay. but they have a big operation that they have like they'll be getting like top lads from college like doing quants and all of this like and the models they'll build and they can be, the, the people they'll have like and then plus they'll have the like I was saying you do need the people that know the sport as well but yeah. if you put all of them together they like they have clients they would pay them a lot of money for like their prediction of say the odds and stuff like that in premiership it just means that on soccer the odds are so so accurate right yeah. that without their type of technology they're very very hard to beat like yeah. now but 14 years ago that wasn't the case like. no and and I think there's a there's a program called uh, Tony Ansel who said he made 750,000 on backing on Scottish games from division 2 uh, bookies he said <laughs> were lazy as 42% of away teams won uh, that year and the odds they gave were ridiculous because yeah. just purely because it was away from home and they were given so he said he had a bumper year that year yeah. so <laughs> Tony Ansel says so many things does he there's, a, there's an account on Twitter called Aftertime in Ansel so oh is there <laughs> I, won't, I won't say anything else <laughs> but that is probably true is it I, I have no idea no idea but, but no idea about his particular but, um, but that would have been it would have been it would have been a case that like, I, I was making money just from um, using uh, I think a spreadsheet using like poison distribution which is kind of follows how goals go in soccer matches but there's a draw effect as well but like that's pretty easy to adjust for and then just using the the midpoint of you know um, spread betting where it's more like a line like so yep. say they'll go a quote of say 2.6 to 2.8 goals and you can yeah. either buy high or sell low uh, using the midpoint of that as a as a kind of a goal prediction for the match so I wasn't even doing my own work at all right. plugging that into my model and then basically betting on the over and under markets and in running on matches betting on either a goal or no goal to be scored but like 99% of the time it was no goal to be scored because it was like back then there was a massive bias in the markets towards people who would only back what they wanted to happen right so nobody's sitting there at half time it's five to one for no goal they're laying it because yeah. they want to watch a goal go in like but mm. i'm there backing it because it should have been 4.5 or something <laughs> yeah, yeah. so like last night's game with atletico and real madrid had nil nil written all over it really um i think it's rare though for them to be nil all well atletico haven't this is what i would say no i didn't back because i don't really back but i would have seen it as real are shocking at the moment and atletico are well they're talking about selling griezmann to barcelona so they're yeah. obviously not confident in their ways so that's i would have seen that as a very tight game i anyhow. actually backed real um last night all oh, right <laughs> but i've had I've, the last so you're week, say, what you're saying to me is why are you so confident <laughs> no well the last few years i've in that fixture because since simeone has taken over atletico have 
I think went from not beating Real in something like 10 years to they bet them like four times out of six yeah. and mm-hmm. they're Real have beaten them like not much over since Simeone has taken over at all like apart from the Champions League finals they've they've done poorly against yeah. Atletico like especially yeah. in the league yeah. Yeah. And uh, but I actually think this year Atletico are playing like a mid-table team yeah. they're like I, I do stuff like um, they're going a little bit back to reality almost yeah but well not even reality because the reality was for so many years yeah. you could say that it was their new yeah. level like but this year they're, I, you use like expected goals and stuff like that which takes into account the position of a shot and s- some of the more sophisticated models the amount of players around the ball as well like the pressure on the ball and this year Atletico are playing like a a mid-table team or worse even yeah. on that metric whereas Real are playing probably as good as normal the only difference is they're not finishing Yeah, they've scored something like I think nine goals less than their expected goals would have them scoring uh, this season and it's basically Ronaldo, Benzema and them just missing chance just after a, chance and like. they'll be out but like things like that is generally streaky and luck and it doesn't continue it's like it continued for Leicester for the whole season but <laughs> where they actually everything just went in like but would you have got in on Leicester at all that year? no I would have never backed like no. there was, I don't think there was any point until about two weeks ago to go that I thought they could win it like <laughs> <laughs> to be honest right until the end none of us did so your premium service what is the what, what roughly do you provide for your members when they join for the premium service? well now basically during the week it's just uh, between 9 and 12 in the morning um, and I'll just send the tip it'll be pretty like uh, brief the, the stake the price the book is it available with um, and I also include like a minimum price that it would have been a, a premium bet at now I've, I've also like since I started I've done like a few festival packages because I have a website like shetlandtips.ie as well and I think it's um, five winning uh, Shetlands out of five or five out of five or six out of six of 2013 14 15 yeah five out of five I like the profit margin is very high so premium members obviously get that as well any of them things and I've started a Saturday service then which is basically a Saturday only thing and it's the same as the premium except for I'm including the analysis that I'd include with the festival packages that I don't during the week because it just wouldn't be possible if you're interested in 20 horses to have write-ups ready to go for all of them when you're busy looking at prices and Mm. changing things like I just do it for a Saturday but premium members get that so like since the premium service has started in October 13 the profit including everything they've got which is the festival packages and obviously the Saturday which is included in both is 1,618 points and that would be like 40,450 to I recommend like 25 euro point stake because it's a stake that everyone should be able to get on with every bookmaker if they have an unrestricted account yeah, so it's, yeah. it's a reasonable stake like and um, but that that would mean like your bank would have increased by one thousand one hundred and fifty percent or so since. Okay. Now that's if you get every price. You're, nobody's going to get every mm, single every price, price advertised yeah. because they won't have all of the accounts. They um they're not always going to be getting on instantly. But like mm. I have a profit target which is eighty points profit target, and I work out that on the price five minutes after the tip was sent. Now on average, yep. people should be able to do that. And in none of my figures, I don't count best odds guaranteed either. Like, yeah. Yeah, and how much is the sc- subscription? Um, I have a monthly of like, oh creepy. Um <laughs> I think because including that, it works out at about one hundred and sixty-six a month. I think yeah, for the email and the profit target would work out at about four eighty something or four ninety for yeah. eighty point profit target, which means you keep going until you've made eighty points profit target on the five meter price, like. And then the Saturday service that I started recently is fifteen euro plus fat. 
mm. for just Saturdays. Like it obviously made Saturdays is the best day for betting, and it's yeah. like I found I had people that premium members that were with me for a while, and work commitments meant that they couldn't get bets on yeah. during the week. Um, so, but they would be joined for festivals and for Saturdays and stuff like that. Or like other people, obviously can't get a bet on during the week because they've had their accounts closed and so, so does your does, does your membership go up in around Cheltenham no it doesn't like I, the premium members will get any of the, the Cheltenham Festival packages no not, so not, your, not, your, not your actually fee your actually membership do people actually more people uh, come premium on members not so much but like the last few years it has gone up after Cheltenham because we've done so well each year that <laughs> right, yeah. some of the people that joined for the festival yeah. packages yeah. thought you know they were going to get 33 to 1 winners every day of the year, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. all year round but like like they do well overall but yeah. it's not like the Shetland results I think I don't know it's about plus 50 or something percent ROI that's not okay. sustainable long term like. before we go into the, the top three um, what tips general tips would you give the normal punter or, 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 or a tip one tip that you would give the general uh, average day punter Um well, like you're betting against other people, you're betting against the market. So to beat the market, you either have to know something that the market doesn't know, or you have to analyze it better than yeah. than the market. Now that's going to be hard in something like soccer because, as I say, that there's people with a lot of money behind them, and a lot of the right people, like technology-wise, to build stuff to for their markets. But like betting on, if you were betting on soccer, maybe maybe betting a market that you know not the match odds markets because they're so hard to beat. Like maybe betting something a little bit more obscure, like but yeah. But no matter what you're betting on, you have to, like for horse racing, I'll analyze, I'll analyze data, I'll watch races, but I'll watch races not with a, I won't see a horse like coming home that was a really unlucky loser and he got out and he flies home and he's unlucky, but everyone in the world can see he's unlucky like. Yeah. He's going to be over bet, not under bet the next day because everyone thinks, oh, he's a lucky loser, I'm going to back him. I think people in general overreact to nearly practically every bit of information they mm. get like, mm. um, which means that if something is blatantly obvious that's a positive, it's actually a negative bet in the next day because they've they've instead of instead of it been two to one, they back it into six to four. Yeah. If you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like and so I think you have to look at stuff in a way to try and find something that won't be spotted by, by the mass by the masses really because you have to beat them like so yeah. but as well as that when you're backing something it's kinda like if you were buying a car a second hand car and this car your man is offering it for five grand and like everyone else with the same mileage the same thing it's ten grand and you're there like the guy that just goes out and buys that car for five grand it, it looks good on paper but <laughs> nine times out of ten there's something he doesn't know yes it. and yeah. I think it's the same in gambling it's not enough to think like I you should always put a price on something to have a bet in other words if you think a horse should be six to one and you're getting ten to one yeah back at a ten to one because if you're if you're good at Estimating odds, even if you're only as good as the market, yeah. If you're if it's somewhere in the middle and it wins at twelve and a half percent or something like that, you'll make money back in it at ten to one. But I think you should always ask yourself as well, why am I right and they're wrong? Yeah. Mm. Because if you can't answer that, the chances are the market knows something you're, that you yeah, haven't, lose, you've yeah. missed, you haven't yeah. accounted yeah. for. And I think that's probably about the most valuable bit of advice I could give anyone. Like that, if you don't know why you're right then you're probably not like yeah yeah okay so we gave you three imaginary cards uh we call the big three uh under my skin card thumbs up card and the puzzled card what's your under under my skin card what what what, what, what <laughs> bothers you now, this could be a long one they normally are when, what, All right, this under? is this is pretty lame but um <laughs> commentators in soccer right right i love it when a guy takes a shot he goes for the top corner and it 
just goes over the crossbar or he goes for power and it doesn't hit the target yeah. and they say you've got to hit the target from there yeah. <laughs> and there's one like I think Jerry oh, Armstrong six inches lower would have been in the top corner yeah well done yeah. genius <laughs> yeah but it's you've got to hit the target their thing is always you've got to hit the target they, they, and I, Jerry Armstrong um, on Sky is the worst <laughs> he for got it. I think he got he, battered during the week he got um, battered for his commentary yeah. oh, I, he, he, was, was he was biased, biased yeah, yeah he was very biased but, but I think he thinks the objective is to actually hit the target like does he not know why like Messi, I think has hit the post more times than any player. Yeah, because that's what he wants. But he's to do. going for the corner. Like he's <laughs> yeah. trying to score a goal and not hit the target. Like I oh, should And I don't. Um, I, 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 it shouldn't. It probably shouldn't drive me mad. But every time they say it, like no. because they could say it twenty times a match, and you, you're starting to wonder what the objective is. Like there's loads of little ticks. <laughs> the commentators do that all hate us, and that's that's your one. That's brilliant. I love. But that. then when they do take a weak shot straight down the middle, your man says, "Ah, he's he's got to do better." With that. Like, that was too easy. Yeah. For the goal. Or the yeah. one I want. Oh, wait, you just think it over the top. Ah, sh- <laughs> <laughs> he's got three milliseconds to come up with an idea. It's like sometimes it just doesn't come off. There is an element though of correctness about that saying I mean yeah. if, if it isn't on target you're l- less likely yeah. to score but what you're saying is is that obviously he's not trying not to, <laughs> to just the graze target. the bar yeah. he's yeah. trying to do everything in, 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 as you said it could be a weak shot so he's not making sure it's not a weak shot but because of this and the pressure that's been put on him mm. he's, he's and they're, the they're not hitting it. like if you're going to hit if, you, if your objective was to hit the target you're going to hit it straight down the middle yes light yeah. and, but, that is, but the way they say it it's like as if they make out that you know, it's not about scoring goals. It's actually about hitting the target. So what you're, you're saying from an analytic point of view, that if he was to hit the target, the, 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 the best chance of it going in is, is down the middle rather than going to the corners because it's obviously a harder shot. Well, the best chance of hitting the target would be down the middle, but not yeah. going in because normally that's where Correct. the goalie is. But yeah. obviously Correct. it would depend on a lot. I of like that. Yeah. <laughs> the thumbs up card. Okay, thumbs up. Um, well, in horse racing, like, uh, you probably know, like, we're a bit stone age with data um, there's stuff like there's countries there's really small race nations that have had a sectional timing which would be instead of just an overall time breaking it down into maybe furlong by furlong splits yeah. mm. for a long time like in America I've always had them as far as I know Australia I've had had them for years maybe not as mu- much as in, Austra- uh, as in America but in Britain and Ireland we just we just don't until recently um, at the races with uh, I think it's uh, Arc I think that's what they call themselves they own about five, six tracks maybe six or seven tracks in England and their tracks yeah. in conjunction with at the races which is one of the TV channels yeah. um, they've been doing section t- furling by furling section times now for I think seven tracks and for people that don't understand them like there's people that have been racing all their lives and they just say oh you don't need them use your eyes but like they're the type of people that will just always get left behind and mm. and you know they won't be able to cut it like you should use everything like I've the phrase you can have too much data I think is utter nonsense yeah. like mm. if you don't mm. know how to use it yeah but if you can never have too much because if you think it's no good just don't use just it, don't use you, it should, yeah. if you, if you should always analyze it to see is it anyway. never close it door. and in racing the extra info that sections can give you is absolutely huge because like like I said about a horse flying home earlier when mm-hmm. he was boxed in there is if you're watching that with the naked eye you, everyone normally puts him down as unlucky but he's he's only really unlucky if when he was boxed in he was going too slow yeah 
but if yeah. if, the, if the horse is in front if they were if they was this um a race and at the time of the, of that they were after going a really good pace the, the leaders had kicked on for home and then finished the last two furlongs really slowly so in other words say between the four and the two pole yeah. they picked it up and used nearly all their energy and then the last two furlongs were a crawl in that scenario been boxed in would probably be good because it would have been stopping the jockey doing something stupid like yeah. the rest of them yeah. are doing and but you can only know that with breakdowns of a horse's right. time so it's it, given time we have enough data to analyse it and people can put it like ATR actually and that's why I'm giving them a thumbs up is on their website they have got like optimal times um, and I know the guy doing them and he's very good at it like he's done articles Simon Rollins he works for Time Farm but I think he I'm pretty sure he's done their helped them with their optimal times and they've colour coded it as in uh, slow, very slow, right. even fast, very fast for each furlong. Right. So you don't need, you know, to be an expert in it to just follow to that. Read it. So it yeah. can improve anyone's race reading just by looking at it and they can see whether the horse was making ground in the fast part of the race or the slow part oh, of the right, race. Right. Because it's, it's, you're using less energy making ground in the slow part than you're in the fast part. Mm-hmm. So it can help everyone. And it, it's bad that in places like Ascot and Royal Ascot and they've some of the best racing in the world and they've no sectional times. Right. I think they think, like, what colour hat, an old lady's hat is more important <laughs> than actually yeah, timing yeah, the races. Yeah. Like, but and which royalty is in on well, the day. Yeah, but uh, stuff like that, like, it's, you should be able to analyse the race. And, and, and it, for, like, the youth of today are coming up more on that and, and stuff like that. Like, in, in racing, we, up until now, we just don't have it. Like, and yeah, yeah. And maybe having more data and making it more available will make peop- less people think because there is like a consensus out there that racing is fixed, yeah, and it yeah, is, yeah, yeah. it's um, it's corrupt and stuff. And like, there's a small. Do you think there's any element? There, there is an element of it, yeah. Especially at lower grades, there would be more, but it's it's so much smaller than people think. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. So it, it it certainly makes your job easier then. Yeah, it may, like, but see, I could take my owner and there is uh, places you can get like times of just finishing times but it makes my job easier but it makes the data more available I still think that I'll be better at analysing it than most people so it doesn't bother me that it's out there if you know yeah. what I mean but does more information and more data like that does it, and, and for you and, 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 and people like you makes it every, every bit of information makes it easier for you to, to, to analyse and what have you does, does that have a counter effect does it do bookies reduce their odds because there's more data coming out? Remember, or? they have it too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they shouldn't because if they employ guys that are able to analyse it, it shouldn't bother the price them. The prices should they be right. The right odds, yeah, yeah, they should still be somewhere around right. Like so. Okay, that's the thumbs up. Puzzled. <laughs> okay. Um, oh God. I don't know how people even compare Messi and Ronaldo. I don't know how it's even. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only the only thing they're close on is I think they've scored Messi has scored maybe two more goals than Ronaldo since. The 2009-10 season. Yeah. But in everything else, Messi like plays midfield, attack a midfielder, a winger and forward for Barcelona. Mm. Ronaldo's turned into basically a hatcher. Like. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, And yet they're still giving him Ballon d'Or. But like I call him PR7 because That's all it is. He, hired a P- <laughs> he hired a PR company to basically win oh, a Ballon d'Or. We're going to be friends, like, <laughs> <Yeah>? <laughs> We're going to be friends. Well, um, but I, I just, in everything else, like in, in assists, in key passes, in accurate long balls, if you use like who scored, which is very good for stats like that. Um, in... In passes, Messi like has about twice as many games as Ronaldo, which just shows you how many phases he's contributing. Yes. In. But yet he still scores more goals than him. Like so, he's the same. So effectively, he's in different areas. 
He basically plays with four different job. positions and still plays one position better than Ronaldo plays it. Like, I, I don't even think. And then, I, when do you ever go wow at Ronaldo? Yeah. Very rarely. Yeah. Messi makes you do it or like 10 times a match. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's, so there's not, I don't even know how it's an argument then. <laughs> I know people that I class as intelligent. I don't know if they're trying to wind me up or what. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't even get how it's even close. Like, like I think if you're doing a job interview, you should be able to ask people Messi or Ronaldo, and if they say Ronaldo, just you just get rid of them. Get rid of them. Yeah, like, you're an idiot. This is more what gets under his wick. I think. Like, yeah, yeah. He went for both. It was. It was definitely a candidate for both. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll agree I think I, 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 it convinces it more for me because for a lot of people it is a question of taste between both of them which is the like it, that's what it comes but that's a bit more factual it's but on what, what argument I've never heard them give me a logical argument yeah, why they I think know. Ronaldo 100%. I can't I can't even think even if I was to put myself in their shoes what I could come up with like yeah. and I'd be bullshitting like, oh, I okay, couldn't I'll come up with anything like that <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't get it he yeah. can't understand it <laughs> you have to help him just, uh, a, just a quick one to finish up right obviously the Cheltenham season is starting and a lot of the boys are coming out now is there any one or two horses that are kind of not the famous ones that everyone's going to follow within an inch of their life to check to them that keep an eye on or throw in the uh, early i'd probably be the wrong person to ask at the moment what i do <laughs> i know i i do the Cheltenham website and i do jump racing on a saturday which is good but like most of my betting is the flat racing because yeah. one it's i think it's far more competitive yeah, i think yeah, yeah. a lot of the midweek jump racing is it's crap like it's yeah, just right. small fields of horses some of them haven't run in ages yeah. and like Sheltenham is brilliant as it is it has caused a bit of a knock-on effect with the rest of the season in that and I think there's too many races as well like yeah mm. Willie Mullins winning grade ones every weekend at four to one on and stuff like that it's just yeah, 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 like Gordon Elliott is a challenger now in Ireland so is there anyone outside better. the usual Willie Mullins ones at the moment that people are starting to whisper about that could come in and break the mould Um, there's, there's nothing no. like like uh, there's nothing that I'd be confident to stick your name to. I wasn't even thinking of them, so it's not really on my yeah. um, on my head to m- this morning. Like I, the jump season for me, the flat only finished last weekend. I'd be kind of getting your head around it, getting my getting my head around it. And as for looking at, like I wouldn't have even watched a lot of the you know the promising novices and stuff. Yeah. I'd I'd rather like I normally take if I was doing Shetland betting, I'll take them fresh. A lot of people have preconceived ideas about horses straight away. This that's good, this that's bad, and sometimes mm. it can be hard to change them. Mm. I mightn't have watched their three races, and then they're suddenly running in a good competitive race, and I'd mm. study the form from scratch then, and work my way back and make my own mind up about how yeah. that first one was, which could suddenly, you know, horses can get big reputations from winning very easily in very uncompetitive yeah. races just because they looked impressive and there's not much substance to the form, if you know what I mean. Like so. Um, I don't generally so, no, you don't have them. I wouldn't be betting on them because they're not competitive enough and yeah. I don't generally watch them until I need to watch them yeah, you know yeah. I mean? well if anyone wants to know any Cheltenham tips cheltenhamtips.ie that's it's not yet it's not yet though <laughs> and uh, learnbetwin.com which I, I, I'll vouch for I'm not a premium member but I've, I've been looking at it for the last when did I contact you probably a month ago maybe a little bit more was it yeah, and uh, it's it's, de- it's definitely worth a look so anyone who's out there have a look at them and uh, please remember oh that responsibly that responsibly yes <laughs> uh, Declan it's been a pleasure I'm delighted right. that you came yeah, in thanks, right. thanks very much, much. see you after the break
Welcome back to Liffy Sound 96.4 FM. We are going to sign off and we have Pat in next. We will finish off with, what have we got here? Uh, 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 a little bit of ACDC. Dave, wh- what is his name? Malcolm Young. Malcolm Young. Malcolm Young died during the week. So. Former member, family members. This is dedicated to you and everyone else. Enjoy your weekend.